Pokemon, Pokeballs, 750 milliliter bottle of rum. Welcome to the Velocity Podcast. A study in monology. This is your grumpy uncle Peter. He will say words at you. So the state of the podcast at the moment, really this is just these three weeks. So uh, this week I have no days off at work. So I don't really have any time to put a full podcast together. I'm actually disappointed. My plan was to use my phone and then during my breaks at work actually record maybe one segment every day and throw it together in time to make a full proper podcast, which would be really neat because then I could test whether or not I could make podcasts on the go sort of mobile. The day before I went back to work on Sunday, my phone craps out and dies. So I've sent it off to get repaired. They've given me a loaner, but the loaner just, of course, is the lowest quality phone they could have. I'm not really confident putting stuff on it or using it properly. I'm still going to try to give it a shot, but I'm really not predicting it to be successful. Then, right after that, I'm going to Canada for two weeks. And my itinerary is packed. So if I can record on my phone, if I can get that working, maybe I'll be able to put some material together, but I don't know how much access I'll have to computers to upload and edit and do all the other things I want to do when I make a podcast. Also, when I'm in Vancouver, I'm going to be doing an open mic night. So this is basically my first time on stage actually talking to an audience in this format. Uh, I'm actually, again, predicting failure because I don't think I'm a joke teller. I think I'm more of a storyteller in this case. So I think everything I do has too much of a buildup to get to the conclusion. Uh, But the whole point is that now I don't know anyone who lives in the city. So I'm pretty confident that even if I fail miserably, no one will ever hear about it or ever know about it. So this is just an experiment to see if I can do something sort of out of my comfort zone that's a little different for me. I just didn't want to disappear for two, three weeks and have nothing happen. I know that people who listen to podcasts, probably most of the time their phones are set to just download automatically. So they might not even notice I was gone for two weeks. But if you did, I wanted people to know why. I'm off. I'm in Canada. I'm trying to experiment, do some new things. uh, And it's going to take up a lot of my my time. Of course, I don't want to leave you with nothing this week since I do have this short time to record. So I want to throw your mind back to 1989. This is a story about Mike Tyson. And any story about Mike Tyson has a whole lot of crazy in it. But in 1989, Mike Tyson was crazy and rich. Now, that's an interesting combination because crazy means you do a lot of weird things. But rich means people don't think you're crazy. They think you're eccentric and you can kind of do whatever you want. But at this time, Mike Tyson was married. But it was very difficult because he was famous and his wife was famous. She was a model. So for them to go out in public was very difficult. They get mobbed and all the problems that come with fame. So he bribed a zookeeper to let him and his wife go through uh, the zoo privately after it closed. So he just paid a ton of money and he went in privately. It makes perfect sense. That's not that crazy. Then they got to the gorilla enclosure and he saw an alpha gorilla, sort of the silverback, the alpha male of the gorilla group, pushing around some of the more submissive males because this is how they assert dominance. This is their culture, their social order. This is what monkeys do. He then offered the worker $10,000 to let him go into the gorilla enclosure and fight the alpha monkey. Now, it didn't happen. 
it shows how crazy Mike Tyson could be with that sum of money because throwing $10,000 at a zookeeper is a crazy amount of money and certainly very tempting, but the zookeeper probably already understood what the result of this would be. Mike Tyson, at that time, the single greatest, perhaps the most powerful fighter on the planet. There was probably no human being that could really match him for skills uh, and I think crazy actually played into that. I think the crazy in his head actually made him a better fighter because he didn't know when to stop. He didn't know when to lay off. He just kept going and going and going and he hit super hard and he just designed his whole life to make him into this crazy, crazy powerful fighter. But then of course we have to speculate. We have to predict a little bit. What would have been the possible results once Mike Tyson got into the gorilla enclosure and challenged the male gorilla? People don't understand the difference between the human body and a gorilla body. I have done judo my whole life. You've heard that a bunch of times on the podcast. And as a result, I have very strong hands. Strong hands for a human being. Now I forget, we did an experiment and I think all the people I was with, they were squeezing this machine in the science museum and they were doing maybe 40 pounds per square inch or 50. And I got to 60, 70, 80, 90. I got really high compared to all the people I was with. That doesn't actually mean much in the grand scheme of things. It just means I can squeeze my hands closed very strongly and for a very long time. And being very competitive, of course, I put all I could into it. I think I pulled out my shoulder when I actually tried it. But that's, let's say I topped out at 90. I think that number might be a bit high, but let's just say that was the number I topped out at. That's what a human can do, 90 pounds per square inch of pressure. They threw a machine like that into a gorilla enclosure and it crushed the machine without even trying. It picked it up, looked at it, crushed it, broke the machine. So it went well beyond the limits of the actual scale of the machine and it had not even tried very hard. So that gives you a sense of if a gorilla grabs your head, he could just crush it like a vice and kill you instantly. He can grab your leg and probably just pull you and lift your body off the ground without even really trying. If he hits as hard as he can, I assume it would just kill a human being. So Mike Tyson gets in there. And of course, the most obvious thing would be he gets destroyed by the alpha male. It just, he takes a swing at him. He comes in aggressively. The male isn't going to take that. He's not going to back down at all. He's just going to go straight for it and kill Mike Tyson. More logically, what would happen is when Mike Tyson attacks the alpha male, all the other monkeys would join in and attack Mike Tyson. This isn't a fight with rules that have been set up in advance. This is a family. And again, the alpha male pushing around the submissive males is just part of their social order. That would be an attack on the whole family. So I could see all the monkeys, all the gorillas attacking Mike Tyson at the same time, ripping him limb from limb. The other result would be that the alpha male beats up Mike Tyson but doesn't kill him and makes him into a submissive member of the group. Mike Tyson actually ends up joining the gorilla family, joining the social order of the gorillas and just lives with them finds a type of peace of enlightenment of understanding the natural order of things and becomes a much happier, healthier human being, ironically, through the teachings of a violent gorilla. Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Thank you for listening. If you have questions or comments, you can tweet at VelociPeter or email VelociPodcast at gmail.com. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, 
a cast or go to velocipeter.com slash podcast.